Matt Moniz, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you and for having me. It's great to, to have here. hung out with you in person. I mean, this is this is what was getting me thinking about it is we spent all this time just chatting together because we were in person at WWDC and got to like have some one-on-one time and like just like talk like normal people. And I'm like, this is great. Why why can't I just be broadcasting this to the whole world right now? So instead we're gonna rehash some of our, our most brilliant thoughts right now, talk about what it was like to be there and a few other things. Yeah, no, it was great to meet you too. I mean, the one thing you always think of when you meet someone that you talk to, whether it's via podcast or you watch the YouTube videos is, are they going to be the same way in real life? And much you're worse. like pretty much who you are in the video is you and no, 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 <laughs> no, it's, it's like, it's you like, cool. Well, that, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, that's that is the thing. thing I like about podcasts is it gives the people, I think it gives people yeah. the best preview of what you're actually like. I've said this a million times, but you can't talk for hours uh, extemporaneously from the top of your head without letting the real you slip out a little bit. You know, when you, when I'm chopping up a YouTube video, uh, you know, I can be precise and, and nail it. But when we're talking here, it's, you know, it just flows out. And speaking of podcasting, I have a, a few new things about my setup. I wanted to talk to talk about before we get into WWDC. It's been a few days too. So just a preview of what this episode will be about is we're kind of going to go over the announcements in a way that we've really had some time to digest it. Matt has already made two YouTube videos about it. And if you don't already follow him, you should be because he's covering tech from a very like round perspective. I'm kind of narrow on the uh, Mac and iPhone and Apple side um, and, you know, creative production. But Matt's channel is everything you need to know about. If you if you work with a computer, which you probably do, uh, Matt's got you covered. So podcasting stuff. I have a bit of a new setup today. Um, one of them is previewing something that we saw at WWDC. So uh, I'm actually using my iPhone right now as my webcam, which I I only experimented with recently. And I'm doing this using that the Camo app, which um, if, I don't know, this is kind of who uh, Apple is Sherlocking here, but Camo was doing a great job of letting you just plug your phone in and turn it into your webcam and it totally works and they did a they did a great job looks like apple's going to make it a little more seamless but anyway this is a bit of a preview if anybody's watching the youtube video of this or if you just pop over there and get a quick video sample this is what it would look like if you were streaming from uh, an iphone 12 mini that's what i'm using right now it's it really, really sharp good. it's like it's much sharper than it when i use like a, yeah. a cinema camera um, and much better than a web camera like this is the, this would be the best webcam mm-hmm. ever did you like, is this straight out of the camera no, or like you do any tweaks? This is very, very direct. It's, it yeah, actually looks really it, good. It, I, wouldn't I think be able it's to awesome. Um, like this it's is good. on the wide camera, yeah. which, you know, is, is another improvement is like on the studio display, they put that ultra wide in there and then they're cropping in on it. But in this case, we're just using the full lens, the full sensor from the wide. So I, I think it looks a lot better. Uh, a bit of a downside, especially if anybody's streaming would notice there's some delay. If you're watching later, listening later, there is no delay. But it's because I'm going out into a separate breakout box. And this is also new. This is the Vocaster 2 from Focusrite. Um, Focusrite was my first like streaming box. Um, I mean, Focusrite's a lot of people's first because it hits that like price to quality point like perfectly for audio interfaces that you can plug into your computer. And this one's like all about podcasting. Um, I assume, what, what are you going into yours through? Are you, you're using like your full camera setup right now, right? Uh, yeah. So I have like, so I have a mix pre Very nice. yeah. two, and then that's connected to a Ninja and then the Ninja is connected to the mm-hmm. camera. So they kind of go through each other this way. Like I don't have to change anything cause I don't, I don't, mo- I don't but they take my podcasting yeah. equipment anywhere. Everything's done right here. Right. So it's kind of like you're, it just, it's plugged that's, in. It I mean, doesn't That's the way to do it. That's what know? I should be doing. But, uh, I mean like today, like today, yeah. every single piece of this, except my microphone <laughs> is a, like a thing I haven't used before. So I'm very lucky that it's working so far, but, um, but I mean this, I do think this is like a pretty great option for people that are like on the go and their, their meetings are important. Like you actually want to look good. I think, I mean, to preview the WWDC stuff a bit. Once you're able to just anybody can easily connect yeah. their phone to their computer and use it as a webcam. Like right. why would you, why would you not? But that also looks a lot smaller than the because like I think the popular one is the Rode. Is it yeah. Procaster oh. or Podcaster? Yeah, this is a that's fraction like a lot smaller of the size. That's so, a lot smaller. Um, I mean, it's it's in my hand right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, kind of that's a so little taller convenient. than the length of my whole hand, a little wider than the width, and it has two inputs and yeah. um, some features that I think are really smart about it. Um, are that it also f- has like auto gain setting by just, you just like speak at the volume that your podcast is going to be. And then it's like, oh, I know about how loud you're speaking. Here's where your gain should be. Um, and it also has some basic enhancement tools here. I'm actually going to turn it on. And I don't think you're going to notice this is the radio preset. It's pretty subtle, which is the way I would like a preset to be. Um, 
but you know, a lot of, a lot of, no, I noticed it. it yeah. It's it just, just like a little, up your voice completely. in a good way. A lot of yeah. us don't have like perfect microphones. Like I like, this is the high PR 40 I'm talking into good mic, but not a perfect mic. And I don't know. You can, you can always tweak it a bit. So anyway, the rest of the episode, you'll be hearing the Vocaster 2 um, from Focusrite. Super good, well-priced entry point for anybody looking to get some podcasting gear. And that's it. It's brand new. Um, awesome. But the, the okay, cool. everything we have in common, let's talk about like what we did. First, like the event. Have you have you been to Apple, Apple Park before to a, a, a big Apple event? What's your history with them? Uh, never, 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 never. That's the first time I've been there and obviously very excited to go because, you know, like how often do you get invited to go to the Apple park? And it was crazy. Like, you know, at first I was like, okay, they're inviting us to watch a video, but then you think about like, there has to be more, right? And obviously there was, but, um, it's just a cool place. Like you don't, you, you see pictures of it. You, you, you look at little videos, you see Tim Cook doing his thing when it's pre-recorded, but being there and just seeing the scale of it is, is something I was like very happy or privileged to see. And then, you know, you walk to the Steve Jobs theater, which is, you know, not too far away from it. And that's, that, that's a whole yeah. other thing on its own. Well, if this how was just yourself? a tour of the park, I'd still would have made my day because everyone wants to see like, how does the, the richest company in the world spend their money on a you know, build anything you want headquarters in Apple park was our answer. And what I appreciate about it is there's so much focus on the space rather than just the building. Obviously there are some building details that are incredible that we can talk about too, but the actual part, it's called Apple park and it is a park like in the middle of that circle is enormous. I kind of didn't have a sense of scale until you're there. And as you just start walking around, you're like, yeah, you could get lost in here. Like you could just, that, that's where I'd love oh, to take sure. my meetings if I worked there. Just like, hey, you want to go for a walk and do this meeting outside under the, there's peach trees out there. Um, like just, and everything felt, land. the landscaping felt very natural to the environment. Like it, it felt like everything could have just already yeah. been there. Um, I'm sure it was very precisely chosen, but it was not, you know, overly, you don't feel the heavy hand of a gardener. It was like, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't over And I loved it. It was really, really amazing yeah. to walk through. It felt like Apple's version yeah. of their own yeah, central I, park. Yeah, I thought that too. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a detail really cool. somebody else pointed out that yeah. I, I didn't even notice it while we were there till afterwards. But as we walked in and we're going to pick our seats, it didn't occur to me that the seats we were about to sit in are like handcrafted oak dining chairs. And there's thousands of them, right? Oh, like they weren't just folding chairs. They're not from an events company. Every single chair is like... A nice, right. a nice chair that's solid wood. And that's true. I'm like, wh- where do you keep all these? These don't stack, you know, like these are all, <laughs> um, yeah. and just one of those things you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I didn't notice that until you just said that right now, but they were not your typical folding chairs. Now that I think about it, yeah. they were, they were kind of nice. And yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, they do things that are just not your typical norm. Right. And sometimes you have to really step back and like, look at the little things to see the difference. And like just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah really well done. And, um, I, you know, leading up to it, I think there was this feeling of like, what is this going to be? Um, I expected, I expected a little more in person. So people just watching the stream, uh, I was told didn't see that Tim Cook did come out and Craig just came up briefly before and just kind of said, good morning. Right. And then they said, good morning again in the video, but I, I kind of thought they would connect it and. I don't know. I kind of, I hope someday in the future, maybe there is a little more of a sense in the live stream that like there, the, something is happening live. Cause I like, I've always enjoyed that connection. I enjoy, I, I do enjoy how they, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they're able to be so precise in the edited video, but it, it, it does lose a certain kind of energy that used to be there. And so I, I would, I would love to see them come together as a little more balanced of how it used to be and what they did this year and have been doing the last few years. See, I take the opposite viewpoint. Right. I kind of like it like this. I mean, I so with them coming out on stage and everything, I, like I understand like they should kind of also do that, have like a non-live aspect of that. I agree with that. But um, if you've ever watched like prior live events, there's right. always like mistakes on the stage. There's like awkward silences. Like it's not as fast pace. I feel like this like hits the nail every single time. And then you have all this like crazy video production behind it that you couldn't do with a normal live event. Because like, let's be honest, like if you're at a live event, you're not, you know, you're in the crowd, you're not going to be sitting there putting up your mm-hmm. hand and be like, Hey Craig, I have a question, right? Like you have to, you're going to watch it anyway. So I feel like when they have it like this, it's more inclusive to not only 
us because we're there physically and we see Tim Cook for that two seconds or whatever it is. But it's also the same for everybody else who, right. who watches yeah, that, it around that the world. Equalizing for the the millions of developers. I mean, I saw the other day um, – Max Barkey, I think, posted that there's 34 million people registered as Apple developers. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's I don't know if that's right, but there's wow, there's million, there are millions of people that are in the developer program. Yeah, and yeah. the amount that even in the biggest years of uh, WWDC is like 5,000. You know, that's like kind of normal. So I mean, um, that makes sense. That's yeah. all, it's always such a tiny fraction. So focusing on what people that aren't there are seeing is the right the right way to go. But what you were just saying about that, like awkward silence yeah. is something I've started to realize is because they can be so much more compressed, I have less time to really process the news as it comes out. Like each thing they're saying in the That's live true. thing, there's more like applause and there's pauses, like longer pauses. There's just more space. Everything's like more spaced out. And so in that space, my mind just takes the thing they said and they're like, oh, what's the implications of this? Like, what is this going to mean for me? How is this, you know, and I remember it a little better. Now we're starting to move so fast that like I'm taking notes as I can. But by the end, I feel like I need to watch it again. As soon as the keynote's over, I'm like, well, that was all in and out. Like uh, I better yeah. watch Matt's uh, upload. The summary he already finished. So I know what happened. But. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So maybe, maybe we can agree on like a hybrid model, you know, like something that's has some of that high production, but also kind of, uh, embraces the, the physical nature of, you know, watching it happen yeah. for real. Yeah. A, a, to a little bit recorded. Um, but I think that would and be then good. How was the yeah, event after cool. that for you? I mean, so we got, we got some hands-on time, which was a crazy, a bloodbath trying to get, <laughs> trying to get shots of the laptops, <laughs> which you definitely did. You, you, you had some good, like yeah. shots, like hands-on, which I feel like I didn't really get, cause I, we didn't, we didn't know our schedule ahead of time either. We had no idea what, where, what are we going to be able to see? Well, we didn't even know if there's going to be a product, right? So yeah. we were ready to leave the park That's with true. like, oh, cool, the software, we're going to get new apps, you know, I don't know, whatever. But turns out there's hardware. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. Let's kind of like walk through people because I, I think a lot of people would be interested in how it works. So like we arrive to Apple Apple uh, Park and then they, they make sure we follow the exact directions to it's the Apple campus area. And uh, it's like this big open area. It faces a massive stage they put up. And then after that, we're all directed to different spots. So every every kind of like country or international audience is sitting in a specific area. And then afterwards, we're led to certain places. So the ones that uh, we're doing more hands-on, we're, we're led to the Steve Jobs Theater, which is kind of, it's on the Apple Park uh, spot, but it's a little bit off, right? So we kind of followed the path up there. And then, um, yes, it was definitely a zoo because as you can imagine, you know, Apple hasn't had an in-person event for so long. But on top of that, this is the first time they invited this much people. They've never done this before. Like usually it's like a, a few YouTubers from Canada, a few YouTubers from the States, you know, some international audience that have big publications and that's it. Like they literally invited yeah. everyone and it was pretty crazy. Well, but, talking um, to, well, for myself cool. personally, but I was talking to a few other YouTubers there. I feel like 2020 would have been the first time that a few of us would have been invited like that. I, I think it's actually not this. It's not that's 2022 true. that's opening up. I think it was about to happen before COVID that they were going to be like, you know what, like let's, let's open our doors a little right. more to a few more uh, independent creators like us. And you know, that, that, that was the year we didn't go. That was the year. No, nobody went. So now yeah. it's sort of like playing catch up and they're like, okay, well let's, let's try this and, and definitely open it up more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I have nothing to compare it to. I'm, I'm sure, you know, if we talked to Marquez, he could tell us what it uh, was like pre-COVID and uh, how much smaller it was. But there was definitely, um, you know, there, there was like a, it, it was challenging, especially because there's two circles, right? You've seen the Steve Jobs Theater, the whole thing is a circle, but there's an inner ring that had yeah. the MacBook Airs. And that's really what we always all wanted to see. Then outside that, they had other right. assorted hardware, especially the 13-inch MacBook Pros, which nobody was very interested in. <laughs> there was literally no one. I think I think yeah. I was like one out of three people that shot that MacBook Pro. And it's like, why am I shooting this? I already have footage from yeah. my previous MacBook Pro. It's the same thing. I felt bad, but like, you know, it's a new product. It's the Air. It's the most popular MacBook. Everyone's going to want to shoot that first. Did you have trouble like... I don't know. There's so many different light I did, sources. I, did I found too. Like yeah. I heard getting listening to the Verge's yeah. podcast. They were like, "Oh, it's the best lit room in the world." And I was like, "Then maybe I'm just bad at filmmaking I because like, eh. like I had a yeah, I had yeah. a really hard time." I I think actually even part of that is because of the the people because 
the light is all coming from outside right. and there's a human ring surrounding mm. the laptops. So when you get to the front of the line, you got yeah. a wall of people behind you blocking the light. Uh, and that might've been part of it too. That's true. Um, and you have like the lights above, which I think Justin was saying, it's like yeah, right. 2,700 Kelvin. So it's a totally different yeah, light was, than the I, outside, I found it, I found a challenge, a so I didn't have as much B-roll as I would have liked. Yeah, my it's something was, I'd my like foot, to do. Yeah. So, so there, some people also had access, like throughout the so the rest of the day, um, I was kind of there and I was like was able to talk to a few people and was kind of just like at, at Apple Park talking to people from Apple. And uh, what I didn't realize is that some YouTubers were back up there in that room getting one on one time, getting their own footage of, and I was like, oh, oh that no. was a thing I could do. like. I don't oh. know if I could have done that, but <laughs> that uh, you know that's like that would have been ideal is just that extra time to just get the shot of holding it in your hand. Cause that's sort of, he really wants to see, but um, yeah, no, it was, it was a really special event. I mean, the, it's this challenge of like trying to soak it up and like, just enjoy it. Be like, I, you know, this is, this is a yeah. really interesting day. I just want to remember this and the pressure of like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta release a video right now. <laughs> Which you did. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, well, I had to. I mean, like I've done, I've done many events before, yeah. but never an Apple event. So I know like, especially on YouTube, like not being first is not always the best, but sometimes in these situations, you just want to get the video out, but it also has its disadvantages. Like my first video I put out, I got a few things wrong. Like I, I said, Thunderbolt 4 instead of Thunderbolt 3. And then I said, I had, had um center stage, which it does not. So you do make mistakes like that. And then the next day I put out a, a better video, which I thought was way better than the first one. But um, it just depends on your audience. Like I find for me, like people just want the information right away. So I just try to get it out as fast as possible. But others can take their time. Like mm -hmm. obviously bigger channels can take their time and it won't affect their yeah, views I, as much. I, I, I tried to do both and failed at both. But, you know, <laughs> next time. But but I did get to <laughs> That's enjoy That's how you it. learn. Is, is, this your, is this your first? Yeah. But is this your first big event that like you had to like cover and get footage out as fast as possible? Or have you been to other ones where it's kind of like- First time it's really like, like an event idea. with a lot of other people probably. Um, but I, I was, okay. I did have like yeah. special access to like early access to some phones before. The big one was the 10 R. Um, right. I got, I don't know how I got on the list okay. of people to preview it early. So I had one of the very, very first videos out and that was a million views in 24 hours and then died. So all the views were at once. Oh yeah, it's huge. But I did have that, like you have yeah. 20 minutes in the room with these phones, try to make it worthwhile. Um, and it did, but the main, <laughs> the main difference there is I had the rest of the day to edit. Something that's so challenging in this position is like, the information's already out there. There is no, there's no buffer. There's no embargo time. It's like everyone in the world knows, now it's up to you when you, when you actually release it. Um, so, so yeah, I tried to basically, I tried to do what you were doing of like, get one out while we were there. And I just didn't, I didn't yeah. say enough interesting stuff. <laughs> like it just wasn't good enough. So right. I ended up using that plus extra footage in the hotel room where I said the smart things and double checked my notes. Uh, yeah. And it, you got two videos out and I did the one um, basically of two, two different recording sessions combined. So. Yeah, well, that's exactly what you said. Like, you don't have enough time to say something clever. And that's that was my first video. It was very, like, this is what it is. It's very spec-heavy. And then the next day, as you process, you have conversations with people. You start thinking about things in a different angle. And then you can put out something a bit more Well, now's the know, time. Inspiring. This is that ex inspiring content. We're, we're there. We've been able to process it. We've been think meditating on this for, a, exactly. a, what, like a week now? What what are some really smart oh, yeah. things we have to say about it? I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my notes app because there's actually there's so many things like you know I don't think we yeah. need to recap it at this point because anybody that wants a complete list has seen it. No, but like what what matters and what uh, what did we miss? Let's maybe start with hardware. Let's start with the MacBook Air. Um, I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, so I think you know I, I was so I was kind of shocked not to see more ports. I would have loved to see like a USB port, like a regular one, USB-A port. So that was kind of shocking. And I was also shocked they didn't keep like that iconic design instead of, but I get why they did it, right? Like I, I was hoping for like the MacBook Air to have its own design like they did before, but they went with a similar approach to the M1 Pro and M1 Max. And I think the reason why they want to do that is because they want to keep it uh, the same sort of style as they do with the iPhone where like they all kind of look the same, but you know, there's different features for each one. It's an iPhone. That's it. You know, you're getting an iPhone. That's what it looks like. Same with the MacBook Air or MacBook Pro. This is what a MacBook is going to look like. So I get that. Um, but one of the comments I heard in some of my videos was they're disappointed with the M2. 
like, oh, it's not fast enough. It's not like a generational leap. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's... are you serious? Like, <laughs> I, I come from the PC industry. You're lucky if you get like six to 10% gains. Like, okay, fine. 2022 has been a big year for, for Intel and, and AMD has been kind of lustering behind with performance jumps. But the M2 is 25% faster. Like, that's crazy. You know, sure, they didn't jump to like three nanometers or whatever it is. I'm getting really nerdy right now, but it's still a big improvement and to have that kind of performance gains year over year even if it's not like a, a jump in architecture is is great so i, I, don't understand I, I didn't get any that. of those comments thankfully uh because i don't know how i could even respond to that yeah. it's such a uh, un, <laughs> unthoughtful perspective of it like this is the these are the jumps that we I were agree. feeling when when i got into technology like back in the like early 2000s when I was a teenager, you know, coming out of college and I'm like watching announcements. It's like, wow, we're getting these like big jumps. And it's only slowed down since then a lot, especially for PCs. We still get that for phones. We've been having that for phones for a while. And that's part of why phones have sucked so much energy out of the the gadget news and, you know, why it's what we talk about so much because they have seen those huge improvements. Um, they've, they've, they've tapered off right. a little bit, but it is still, it's that kind of jump. It's like, yeah, this, if you get this every year, we're going to be in an exponentially different place in, in 10 years. You know, this, this, this amount of transformation of leads us to like, we will be doing different things with our computers if we keep getting upgrades like we saw with the M1 to the M2. And I, I think maybe what people are responding to is uh, people maybe that haven't followed the industry as long as we have, but expecting there to be another jump like the M1, which was just a, a once in a generation thing. Like that is not, that's not going to happen again for 20 more years. Like th it's, that is very rare. No. And who, yeah, who knows when we'll see changes like that again and you shouldn't be expecting them. Exactly. And like there's little things they did with, you know, because the M2 is still you know, five nanometers and all that kind of stuff. But they, they added more, again, Please I'm getting really nerdy, so I apologize if you guys are not into this stuff. But so they, they increased the size of the L2 cache, right? Which is a big deal, okay? Um, which I think is bigger than a lot of PC laptops. So that gives you more bandwidth. You get faster access to the CPU so you can process more data instructions and code. Big deal. You know, they, they increase the pipeline of bandwidth it gets pushed across. They increase the core clock speeds of the multi-core and the single core. So like all these little things happening are... Are, are iterative updates to each component on, on top of the, the motherboard or the CPU uh, chip that just make a, a product more well-rounded, okay? And whereas, like, if you were to take, you know, an Intel processor in a Mac from years ago, it might just be like, okay, fine, we have slightly faster single-core and multi-core clock speeds. What does that even mean, you know? And I think once we get these devices in and we start doing the stuff we do now, like, we're still going to see a nice jump. Like, I feel like you're going to be okay editing a 4K video on an M2 Air much, it's going to be, it's going to feel a lot more natural to you than it would be on the M1. You know, I'm not suggesting that it's a massive upgrade over the M1. If you have the M1, you should upgrade, but I'm saying someone like you or me who spends most of their time editing a video, you might be like, you know what? I could probably get away taking this with me mm -hmm. on a vacation and not feel like I have to like really lay off all the transitions. I can put a comfortable amount. I can have the proper color correction. It might be a little, it might struggle a little, but it's not going to be nearly as, you know, tough as it was before with the M1. And I think that's what we're going to see, especially with the more RAM um, being able right. to- Yeah, which is that a very weird number. You can go up to 24 now, which you don't hear that very yes. often. I yes. mean, there have been some 24s in the past, but no. um, <laughs> you, you can get there. And same with, uh, good to know that the GPU is an upgrade as well. It's not, you don't get the 10 cores built in. It starts at eight, yes. but uh, amazing that it's there. Mm -hmm. And maybe most exciting to me out of out of all of this, I mean, the the jumps are good. Like everything's very good about it, but what I'm going to appreciate the most is probably adding that media engine, bringing it from the M1 Pro and M1 Max down to the baseline processor because it was not in the regular M1. So if you had a 24-inch iMac or you had the previous MacBook Air or the previous 13-inch MacBook Pro, you didn't have that media acceleration that, see, I mean, it's hard to account for how much it's doing what because we can't pull up a little chart while we're editing video and get a report. But based on performance, yeah. um, it seems like a, a lot of or all the encoding and decoding is like just handed off to it, which means it frees up the CPU and GPU for, for so much of the other work because all that media engine does is encode and decode and it does it incredibly fast. So that is now available on every single Mac that has an M2 processor in it. And I think means that 
you're, you're previously like you could handle the 4k editing on the M one and now it's going to be kind of a breeze. Like I, I think, yeah, like Intel use, so like you're just saying with the titles and transitions, stacking those, that's what'll destroy it. Cause that's all GPU and CPU and you know, you're going to max out your Ram. Like everything will get maxed out with additional layers, but just putting one video after the other, I think you could do anything with it. I, I think there will be no limits. Um, and in my video, I saw that I was glad I wandered over to the 13 inch MacBook Pro because that's where I saw the demo of the 8K uh, on a 4K timeline in Resolve being edited with so many nodes on it. I mean, that's what I, I wish I had a clearer shot of what the screen actually saw because there was, I think, like nine nodes, like multiple, like transform LUTs wow. and just like uh, like some basic keys and um, like basic grades and uh, finishing LUT as well. You know, like the full thing, like this is what I would do to any professional video. It's got, it had it all on there. And anything other than, like I say, tr transitions, titles was just perfectly playing back without pre-rendering it, so... Was that footage on the? I forget. Was that footage it was ProRes? Pro they all yeah. Everything they show us is always ProRes okay. because that's like always yeah. Pro I mean, right. it's the Tablet. way yeah. that they yeah. Some people like what Some people wonder if if the demos are sort of like is there a way they can kind of cheat it? Like I've had that asked. Like you know, can they be like cheating the results, right. making it look like it's performing better than it is? And the only way that thing you could call like kind of a cheat is that everything everything's ProRes, which in the real world, it isn't necessary. It, it's less often um, at, at a pro level, it would be, but in the independent creator space, it's kind of slow to convert to ProRes and it makes the files really big. So it's, you're going to work with a more yeah, mixed yeah. Um, file format. So, But that's the thing, like going back to the media engine, like if you didn't, that media engine wasn't there. I know for a fact, like my Sony footage, for example, the compressed Sony footage mm. would probably struggle on a Mac without it. So now that that now that it's a beefier version of it, I think we're going to see like a huge difference for the regular, uh, I don't know, prosumer video creator uploading their their footage to their M2 Air and using it will we'll probably find a, definitely a smoother experience than they did before because that's where that encoder decoder really yeah. really helps and out big time in my videos as well you know once i get my hands on one what i'm going to talk about is video i'll definitely talk about video editing because what i always talk about but um I, th I know that already there will be a response of people who are like why would you get a macbook air? nobody buys a macbook air to edit video like why are you even talking about this this is not for that <laughs> of course and i think that's really short-sighted because Absolutely. there's there's just a lot of use cases there, use cases there's normal people like just that you know work at an office don't have to do anything too heavy but they sometimes have to edit a video like this just comes up or they want to get into it for making family videos. That's a really common use case becoming more so, especially since all our phones shoot 4k. And then on the other hand is professionals that have a Mac studio at home. Now they have uh, well, I was going to say an iMac, but the iMacs are M1, but they have a bigger computer at home. <laughs> Let's call it a Mac studio. And yes. then when they're on the go, they are uh, going to still be able to want to pick up that work and they still can work on those same projects. And that's a huge step forward and will happen, you know? Oh, for sure. But just like, think about it. Like how cool would it be to not have to like, I mean, fine. There's the MacBook Pro 14, okay, but it's obviously at a different price point. But like, how cool would it be just to travel with a 13-inch MacBook oh, Air yeah. rather than a bigger one? Like, it's just, especially when you're trying to like cut down on how much you carry, because every little thing you put in your camera back backpack makes a big difference in terms of how it feels. So just being able to cut that down and being able to do that on an Air would be yeah. That Air awesome. is, I mean, it's really appealing. It's what I would love to start working with. Um, I think probably. The, the real test yeah. I'll put it through is I'll actually have, because um, my wife Anya is kind of getting ready to get a new computer. She's loved having the same one forever because she just gets comfortable with something. And so she hasn't upgraded. So she's still working on her 2015, I think it's 2015 MacBook Pro. Um, and this was the moment she's like, you know what, I'll take that for a spin. And like, the, uh, so that, I think that'll be the test, like her doing her photography work because she's working with, you know, 50 megapixel files all the time and uh, working yeah. with 4k video as well. And so it, it, she's kind of at the right balance point where it's like, we'll see, like, can it handle something that is absolutely a professional workflow, but not pushing it to the very edge, which is kind of what I do. Like I'm getting squeezing yeah, every last drop out of it, yeah. but there's a lot of people doing pro work <laughs> that don't need to go right, right up to the limit the way that, the, that I do it. So now the big question is, would you buy the base level MacBook air or would you spend more money to get the extra two GPU? Cards? Yeah. Like where do you, where do you put your money for like I've been normal thinking about people? this quite a bit. I, d I don't know yet. Um, yeah. 
or, or do you do, or do you do the Ram? Like, like, what's, Cause do they come together? I don't think they come together, right? You gotta buy, you gotta buy the Ram or GPU or both, mm. but they're not a pat. Um, how does it work? Well, we should have the, the website open. Like if you go for the base model, yeah. it, I have it open right now. I'm looking at it now, but if you have the base model, it costs 11, or 1199, right? But then once you go up to 512 gigabytes of storage, the price jumps by $300 to 1499, but you get right. the two extra but GPU cores. Same Ram. How much Ram is in there? The crazy thing is, Right. There's only eight. Okay. So then once you add the, the extra eight gigabytes of RAM to 16, not even 24, you're, I think, at 1899. Yeah. Let me see here. 18, yeah, 1699. Okay. But usually 512 is probably a little too small. <laughs> you probably want one terabyte. You're at 1899. You might as well just go right. buy a MacBook well, Pro 14 at that time, at that point. That, you know that'll what I mean? be a good comparison, actually, to see, like, well, if you, get, if you actually yeah. get a baseline 14 inch, how does the error compare to that? I, we'll see. Probably. Yeah. I mean, the 14 is going to beat it. It's going to have eventually, because it'll, I mean, the M1 Pro already beats it. And when there's an M2 Pro, that'll definitely beat it. So, yeah, you're right. It, pro it still will outperform it. So, at that point, it'll be like, do you want to spend the same am amount of money for a little less performance in a smaller computer or a little more performance in a bigger computer? And hopefully. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just priced out so meticulously because, like, once you get to a certain point, well, and you start I feel like yourself. that, that hard drive is the <laughs> you know minimum I mean? upgrade. <laughs> to kind of everybody every i mean yeah. it's it's very rare that you really can get by right. with a with smaller drive so um yeah that first step yeah. of the upgrade i think a lot of people are going to have to take take that but you know i was working with the uh the m1 imac that i spent more time on like i really used as an editing machine for a while it had eight gigs in it, it has eight mm -hmm. gigs in it and it's um it does it. Yeah. Like it's not the best experience. I do have to wait for some things. Sometimes I need to generate a proxy. Sometimes mm -hmm. I, I need to preview things in best performance instead of best quality. There's like, I can't work with everything at, you know, max settings, but I can still get my job done. Yeah, of course. And that begs the question. So you have the MacBook Pro 14, but then what about the 13? The 13 shouldn't exist. I feel like the 13s, I agree. And I think the only reason it's there is because. Uh, the MacBook Air is their Apple's most popular laptop. The MacBook Pro 13 is their second most popular laptop. They already have the parts for it. Um, it's ready to go. All they got to do is slap an M2 chip in there. And, um, you know, they could probably build that a lot faster and, and get more units out, maybe compared to the Air. So, like, I have a feeling, and it's just a gut feeling, because if it's anything like the Pro with all the chip shortages and stuff, the Air might yes, yeah. be tough to get. That, after for sure. The first yeah, yeah that, that's great advice. If you know yeah. you want one, just. You, you know, hit refresh a lot, wait in line or like do whatever it takes. Cause yeah, I think, I, I bet they're going to be hard to come whatever by. Whatever it takes. Completely right about that. Um, but yeah, that, the, that existence of the M13, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's a, a case that, you know, people that do buy it probably won't regret it. I'm sure it's a, like, it is a fine machine. If, if you're oh, for sure not. looking yeah. at those ports Absolutely. and it doesn't bother you ahead of time, then you're probably the type of person that's going to be okay with it. But I think the sacrifices, I mean, just that MagSafe, that sac that's a huge sacrifice because it also frees up a port when you're plugged in. I mean, that's yeah. enough reason. <laughs> that's enough reason right there. Um, also, the better keyboard, you know, or the, yeah. the keyboard most people prefer rather than the touch bar. Um, yeah, I think it's the, the, the 13 true. inch is the wrong choice for a lot of people. So hopefully. Absolutely. And yeah. then you got like the older bezels and stuff. But you know what? Like, like you said, like if you do buy it, don't feel bad if you get a good deal on it or if you have no choice but to buy it you're going to have just as good as experience as the air you're just looking at a slightly older so everybody wants to know about the new color what's called midnight black mid midnight yes yes midnight i keep calling it midnight black yeah. and everyone yells at me it's just midnight um yeah so i mean I, it, it depended on the light right like again because there were so many different uh, sources of light coming into the building there was times where i thought it had like a blue hue on it and then other times when it was like you know, people, like you said, people were blocking the light and then the, the top lights were shining on it. It looked a lot more black. It wasn't like deep, dark black, like a razor blade laptop, but it wasn't as obviously light as let's say a space well, gray. I feel like it's, I did, I did have a moment where I was able to see it in a completely same lighting situation. And in that, okay. in that How space, it, it is definitely blue. Um, in, in a great way, like okay. it's not, um, it's not super saturated, but like, uh, yeah, if it's lit well, you wouldn't be confused. You you wouldn't question whether there's blue in there. You'd just be like, oh yeah, there it is. There's the blue. Um, right. But it's it's very very dark, yeah. and I think yeah, a lot of the time you're going to mistake it for black. Big concern for a lot of people is fingerprints. Um, 
Apple was all over cleaning it. So like every person, every person that touched oh it hands God. on, <laughs> uh, like they would adjust the, the screen yeah. lid and they'd be like one moment and they're just like buff out that little spot before we took another shot, which is the right thing to do. Even if it's not a fingerprint yeah. magnet, this is the, they should be doing that. But did mm-hmm. you see a lot of fingerprints? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a darker laptop. Like it's going to have fingerprints regardless. Um, that will get fingerprints. Space gray is going to get fingerprints. If you don't want to see fingerprints, then you got to go buy silver or starlight. You know, that's, that's your option, but even this silver, like even my, this silver one, I'm so, I haven't cleaned it in, in a long time and there's fingerprints all over the place, but it, it doesn't show as, as much as it would on yeah. midnight. Yeah. If, I actually never really thought about it on my laptops before. Cause it's never been an issue on, on any of my Macs, I guess. No. Yeah. Like I'd say, um, you know, on my razor, I see it more, which is, is a matte black finish and yeah, I see it a lot more like on that. So. Yeah. What what year's your razor? The reason why I ask is because they have a new anti fingerprint oh, coating. I'm no, just it'd be twenty. That one you have because twenty, I think. Okay, so that's yeah. the one before they added their their fingerprint coating, which does make a difference. But you're still going to see fingerprints. Right. Yeah, like, and it's just I, the I way don't it is. like the finger. If yeah. you like the color, just get that color. I mean, I liked I liked it a lot. I'd exactly. Pre- that's the color I'd like to have because it reminds yeah. me of the old uh, the old black plastic MacBook that um, you had to pay an extra hundred dollars for, and now they got rid of the the black tax for, you know, that, that not real upgrade where you used to get the exact same specs, but a hundred dollars more for the black one. Now you can just get the black one. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm I, definitely I, the black I, one. I agree. Okay. That's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything else to say about it until we get our hands on it. I, you know, we didn't get to really test it ourselves. So no, unfortunately not. I mean, I'm just excited to uh, see what the M2 can do. I mean, there's nothing really else to it, right? It's just a, it's an updated version of the M1 with a a design that matches their lineup. And I think, you know, people are going to go out mm-hmm. and buy it. It's a MacBook Air, right? So that's, that's pretty much, I was disappointed. I didn't see a Mac mini. I had, a, I, for some well, reason, I thought people that said it. I, that's why well. you don't, that's why I don't watch the rumors. You can't be disappointed if you have no expectations, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I had a Mac exactly. Pro in the back of my head. <laughs> that would have been nice to see, but it, it wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. Not because Did I you? like thought it would be there. I just, I, I don't think they're ready. It's coming. So I don't know. it's mm-hmm. coming eventually. I guess keep waiting. Um, so hardware, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's what we had. Uh, what did, what did we have in terms of software and what's, what's the most exciting stuff here? Software we had. Let's start, let's start with so the Mac. I think a lot of we it. Just, like we're, we're on a roll with the Mac stuff. Let's talk okay. about Mac OS first. <laughs> it's called Ventura. Ventura, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the, I mean, the, I think, I think the biggest things, at least from what stood out to me were, were pretty much two things. One of them I'm kind of questionable about, which is stage manager. The other one is proof spotlight search, which I think is one of those underrated features that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Like, and it's supposed to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more accurate when you use it. And I think they're they're adding a few new ways to search or grab information off the internet, which should make like narrowing your results down even yeah. more perfect. But stage manager to me is interesting because like the stuff they're introducing with it, and I'm, I'm talking specifically to the Mac, not iPad right now, is kind of like stuff that's already there, right? Like you can use mission control already. You can just, you know, command tab if you want to move around. Um, I think it comes down to is like how many apps you can have displayed on the screen at the same time. Like I do like the organizational aspect of it, just like seeing the four most, I think it's four most important apps open at any time, but like how much screen real estate is that going to take up? And is it really going to improve your workflow? That's, yeah, that's when what I, have I to first, first saw it, they demoed it in the Mac OS portion of the keynote. I think a theme of this whole keynote is that everything could have been kind of shuffled around because so many features were available on all platforms and you, oh, yeah. you just wait till the end of the section. They're like, and it's also available on iOS and iPad OS, but <laughs> but seeing it in the Mac, I was like, this just looks like an iPad. Like this looks like it's built for iPad. This is a it looks weird on the Mac. Right. Especially the way that they demo it because I they agree. leave not only the extra like that negative space where stage manager is over to the left, but all around the border as well is just um empty space. You just see the background of your desktop and uh there's like a big margin everywhere. And I'm like, that's not how I use my Windows. Like most of my screen is usually full, even on a yeah. big monitor. It's like, I just kind of resize it till it's like either th- things are full screen or I got two windows that are half and half. You know, I, I don't use like what Moom is that? The, what, what are the ones that automatically reshuffle around your windows, which I would have expected them. Like I would have expected a little okay. more where you just like click one button and it like goes to the top left quarter of the screen or something. Yeah. Well, I think what's happening is like, Mac OS kind of has a Windows problem where it's been around for so long that like they can't take things away. 
you know, they have to like leave the older ways of doing things there, but introduce new things and then hope that people who just, you know, buy their own Mac, you know, buy a MacBook for the first time, use it and then understand it and then kind of follow that design language. Um, Cause like, it's one of those things, like, like you said, it's like, it's a little awkward to use, you know, like uh, it's, I, maybe we'll feel different once we play with it. Right. Like, we, I don't know. I haven't installed any betas yet, but once once it's installed, I'll have a better feeling for it. But like, I have a feeling it's going to well, be. Well, yeah. One refreshing thing I did see with you know, it like, is that if you just move the apps towards that side of the screen, it just pushes Stage Manager out of the yeah. way. You don't have to do any special hide. Like you don't have to do oh, okay. a shortcut or anything. It just like bumps okay. it off to the side, and then it becomes same automatic show and hide that the dock will do when your mouse is over there. It pops up and it goes away, which makes it seem a little more useful, but I, I mean, my, my way of working on a Mac doesn't really need this. The, I think the best thing to say about it, let me try to find a good thing to say about it. Cause it, like, I, I don't think I'm going to use it on the Mac. Okay. People that aren't familiar with a Mac and have been learning on an iPad first or, or iOS, they'll get yeah. used to this first on their iPad. And as they jump over to a Mac for the first time, learn how a more open-ended operating system works, there'll be some comfort because they can be like, oh, I can manage my apps and Windows in the same way that I already do over on my iPad. I think that's going to be helpful for people coming that's in true. that direction. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree, I agree. And that's kind of like just setting up a design language yeah. between all their products. And I think it's also bringing their products a bit closer together, yeah, which eventually theme. it's going to happen. Because there's going to be a point where they're going to like intersect and it's kind of like, okay, do I just buy an iPad now yeah. and not need a MacBook? Because today it's more like I have a MacBook and then the iPad becomes uh, an accessory to my to my uh, workflow or just like a, a separate object that I use for yeah, specific I'm, things. You know, <clears throat> The one thing I did like oh, I'm though, just curious how oh, they're going to manage that crossover because I know they don't want to yeah. make them the same device. They, they say that and I believe them when they say that. But obviously, a lot more features will continue to overlap more and more. So, I don't know. I think there's a point where it might become, I think maybe not, they're probably going to push it as long as they can. But I have a feeling that there might come that time where they have too much overlapping, where the consumer, maybe not so much Apple, has to decide Priorities. on right. do they really need this when this thing does everything? You know, it's, we'll see. But the coolest thing, and I know this is so small and stupid, uh, you can now click on the desktop and everything goes away. I oh, like right. That. Yeah, yeah. So that you just see the desktop. <laughs> Instantly yeah. without memorizing a shortcut. Yeah, just you see the desktop. You just click anywhere on the blank. Like, yeah, that I like a lot, you know, because um, sometimes you can use shortcuts right now, but like just being able to like click on it and get to it as fast as possible. Because like I'm, I'm a fairly new Mac user. I've only been using Macs for like three, four years, right? So just doing that will make my Yeah, I, I have a feeling it'll be one of those <laughs> things that we see it, we see it shift before it comes out. Just based on the response, because yeah. a lot of people have been like, this That's looks kind of weird. Uh, so I, I expect there to be a little more evolution in design before it's released. But we'll see, because who knows? None of it's guaranteed. Absolutely. Um, what else did we see in Ventura? Yeah. I'm going to pull up my notes unless you can just think of something faster. Yeah, I mean, like, the only other thing that kind of, like, stood out was they had a new redesigned quick settings menu, which was looks a little bit more refreshed. But there wasn't, like, anything major with Ventura that came out. This more was just, like, little things. And I'm sure there's a lot of little bugs and stuff they fixed in the background that we obviously weren't told. I just hope AirDrop is um, fixed in a way you know, that it usually, works 100% of the time because that's, that's my big gripe. But Yeah, it's been – so when you use AirDrop, sometimes I'll, like – click on let's say it shows my iphone i'll click on it and just nothing happens after like a restart oh finder God, does that happen to time. you too or yeah with other people's okay. phones it's yeah. like okay it didn't work See? the first time turn off your wi-fi okay yeah. turn off your bluetooth turn it back on turn <laughs> on and off airdrop okay now you yeah. restart your phone now i'll restart my phone okay now it works i mean this it's it's my it's one of my favorite features right like that's that's why i care is because i right. use it all the time like a, oh, yeah and all the time. it's the way that i get videos off my phone too like all the video the b-roll i'm shooting on my phone at apple park that's how i get it onto the computer because the lightning is getting pretty slow at this point i don't i don't tr trust it for moving much of 4k videos it takes forever so i airdrop all the stuff to my computer and if it doesn't show up i'm like great i'm gonna waste you know five or ten minutes in terms of production is like a, a lot of time to waste just fussing around with the same problem that i just had yesterday should work every time i i really hope it just 
I don't think they'll even announce when they fix it. I think we'll just suddenly notice like, yeah. oh yeah, it's working better. No, no, they won't say right. anything. So what you're saying is the reason yeah. why you didn't get your oh, video exactly. fast enough no, is because I, of I can okay, blame I someone it. other than myself. It's perfect. Um, the awesome. other good stuff though was, oh yeah, so there's updates to mail. That's across everything with like uh, being able to undo send within a few seconds. I have that in Gmail yes. and I use it all the time or not all the time, but I use it enough to be grateful that it's there. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Another good one to cover in, in Mac OS before we move on is the continuity camera, which is what I was talking about that I'm yes. sort of demoing right now. It's not what I'm using. Uh, like I said, I'm using the app camo. It's been doing this for a while and it is, it requires a cable. So that's one big difference. Uh, the continuity camera is totally wireless. The way that you activate it, you don't have to like click a button on, you don't have to go into your settings or anything. If you put your cam your iPhone horizontally on something like a tripod, basically have it locked in so that it is stable and it's really close to your Mac, like a you know, few feet away, it'll just detect it and become your camera. So you don't have to like go in and make choices about that. It'll just become your camera, which um, as long as you understand yeah. that the features there will be, I, I think pre a pretty great experience because it's a huge leap in quality. It is so much better than any webcam in any computer that I've seen. So and there's one more feature I was just looking at right now that I totally forgot, uh, switch. So like, let's say you're FaceTiming someone on your, I don't know, your right. Mac, it'll get like a little notification pop up and you can switch it to your yeah. phone, which I, I thought was pretty cool. You know, like I kind of thought it was, was already there when I heard it. I'm like, I thought I could do that already, but I'm like, oh yeah, right. I guess, I guess not. I just, no, no, you can't. For, no, no, no for you a totally call, Yeah. You can't switch you can during the call. Yeah. Well, actually, not no, not a phone call. call. You're you right. can answer yeah, from yeah, either yeah. one. No, you can't. And then you can't switch. So yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's good. Yeah, no, that's huge. I like that. It's, it's a little thing. You know, that's the thing. Like, there's all these little things that may not sound like but a big deal. Up. But when you, but what, yeah, it adds up. And then you're like, oh, oh, airdrop, you know? Oh, I can switch now. Oh, my, I can move my mouse from my computer to my iPad if I have it beside it. Like, all those little things really make a huge difference how your total experience becomes when you're using these things day in, day out. You may not need half the stuff every day. But like when it's there, that's when you like truly learn to appreciate it. For me, what for AirDrop was like, I don't no longer have to like send it to a NAS first and then go on the computer and then bring it into something or upload to Google Drive. I just AirDrop it or whatever it is. And the same, it's, this is not one of those other continuity features that I think will, will make a big difference in the overall Apple well, and It's that experience. long list of little things that keeps me using Apple products too. And it's, it's part of why sometimes it's hard to describe sure. to a PC user why you have that preference and it's why so often the the For response sure. is kind of like well it's just because it's just because the marketing you know their commercials got to you and it's like well no i just like the way that it works there's all these small there's a million small choices that as i use them like that that feels like the right way Absolutely. for it to work i like the ease of not c concerning myself with installing firmware or you know certain settings and stuff um and yeah that that, that list yeah. really goes I'm a long yeah, like I did a short video on um, mm. universal control and the amount of comments be like, oh, PC's been doing this for years is incredible. And it's like, they, they and I know I know every way to do it on a PC. Yeah. Like I obviously do. Like you can install mouth without borders. You can use a Samsung laptop and a Samsung phone. But like you have to go through all these little hurdles first to make it work. And it's not always yeah. smooth, right? Like it's just the way it is. This is built in. You don't have to do anything. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's what they don't understand. And like you said, it's so hard sometimes to like get people to understand unless they're in right. the experience yeah. themselves. You know. Um, what else do we have? Uh, let's go. Let's go to iOS. I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff on so, the iPad, but it kind of it'll get covered okay. in the iOS. There's Safari stuff, but I mean, right? You're yeah, more I use Safari, Safari full time, but the features mentioned, I don't think I'll really use that much. They're expanding their tab groups functionality, which yeah. I still haven't found a use for. It's just not really right. the way I work. Um, I don't know, yeah. maybe someday, but you'll be, uh, something I could imagine using with clients is you can do, you can like browse on FaceTime while you're talking with them, but there's so much momentum behind yeah. the current way, which would be having a zoom call and sharing your screen that it, it, it's, it's right. good for Safari to support this internally, but I don't think it's going to suddenly become whatever he's doing because right now, if I have a call with a client, they're usually already sending me a, a Zoom link. So breaking that habit, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, good. I want it's good for Apple to be yeah. competing on all this stuff. So it's, I'm glad it's there. So iOS 16. Um, custom backgrounds on your lock screen. That's what a lot of people are talking about. Which um, mm -hmm. 
I'm not that excited about it, but it's one of those things that will make it feel like you have a new phone, which is a lot of the fun of WWDC and of software updates. It's like you're using your same phone as before, but it feels like a brand new phone. So these really visible updates that every time you look at your lock screen, you're like, oh, this is different. I couldn't have my photo overlap the time before. Yeah. Um, makes a significant difference. So I, I, yeah, I think it's going to matter. I think, I right. think it's an age <laughs> thing. Like me and our older, like we would probably just install right. the software and just use our phone. Right. But like, I feel like if I was to give this to my daughter, for example, let's say I, I, she doesn't have an iPhone, but I know if I gave her an iPhone, um, to use, she's too young to have a phone. That's what I, that's what I mean. She would like customize the, the bejesus out of this everything i know she would right and what you're going to find is you're going to find this very like customized enthusiast market of people doing all these crazy things to their lock space and this is important like it's it's cool because uh you're going to get like like you said a unique fresh perspective of how your iphone looks compared to everybody else's but it's also just really good marketing for apple because the amount of videos that are going to be be made on people's personal think of personal, the tiktoks my screens yeah. is going to be through the yeah, roof. totally Oh my God, it's going to be TikTok, one thing, TikTok central. One thing I discovered since is that the magazine layout where it overlaps the time, which by the way, some people were like, I don't know, this is kind of weird, looks kind of neat, but it seemed like it was missed on some of the public. Like this is what, the, the reason we like this look is that's what magazines have done in terms of design for 50 years where, you know, Vogue will have some of the letters yeah. overlapped by the subject of the photo and it gives you more usable space on your image so that you don't have to leave negative space at the top for the title or in this case, the time. But what doesn't happen that I only just realized is that now, so now you can add widgets. That's great. You can just below your little clock, you can have like the yeah. battery, your health tracking, which now you can also have the fitness app installed without an iPhone, without an Apple watch, which is weird. That wasn't possible before. You can see right. calendar updates, all sorts of stuff that you can see below the clock. But when you add those, it disables the cutout mode. So the subject can't be overlapping those little widgets, which is really weird to me. I don't know why I can't, like, why am I allowed to choose to overlap the time? But if I want any widgets, I have to give up on that design feature. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It must be something to do with the the programming. Like you can, Apple specifically program it for the time, but then maybe perhaps it would require everyone to incorporate in their code for those specific widgets. And it's probably too much to do. I don't, it's probably something, yeah. something small like that. But I get what you're saying. But I do like the live activities right. that what, pop up on your what screen. What we use that for? What would that be good for you? Know? you? So, for example, like just even looking at at the screen here, like they have a Starbucks thing, like order progress, Uber progress. Because usually, like when I'm waiting for my food, and it's like, oh, are they here yet? Like I'll open up the app and everything. Whereas I'll have the live activity on the bottom. I don't watch, watch a lot of zero sports, sports. <laughs> but when I do, it'd be nice. Yeah, like I, I watch maybe sometimes the playoffs and, and every and the World Cup for soccer. That's it. And I, I'd like to know if scores of other teams pop up on my screen instead of have to manually going in. Now, for some people, it might be too much if they watch too much sports. But I think those little situations, it, it would be kind of nice. But I don't know. I feel like most people are just going to swipe up their phone anyways. Uh, yeah, I get, I get it for it. sports. I think there'll be this interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. The goal is actually to have you dig around in your phone less, like the way even Apple described it, is that you that's true. Less often will fully unlock your phone and start just put putzing around, like looking at random apps and like, you're, you know, you went in there to check the sports score, but now you're going through your email. Um, and the idea being like, if you're just going to check that one thing, like hopefully you can get an answer without even unlocking your phone. That's how they spun it, um, which I, it sounds good, but yeah. also isn't great for the app developer if they just become a widget rather than, um, you know, going to ESPN for the whole That's true. app. But where the, the use case that I thought of, so mm -hmm. for any non-sports fans out there, what I would be using it for is I've been adding uh, Eufy home security stuff. So especially like webcams where I get notifications of things of anytime anything happens. And sometimes my notifications just start like going off. Like if whenever somebody is around the outside of the house, I just start getting dinged over and over and over because every movement triggers another notification. And so that'd be a good example of like, just keep it all in one spot, notify me once when activity starts, and then just keep updating what the activity is until that session is over. Um, so that, that was the best personal use case I, I was able to imagine for it. But um, anything that, yeah, is like that idea of a, an ongoing session for a period of time. Also, like you said, Uber, that also sounds incredibly useful. Just kind of track the ride without constantly reopening my yeah. phone and unlocking and navigating to the app. So uh, I hope this gets adopted because, you know, developers need to support it for it to be useful, but. Absolutely. It's one of those things. 
developers have to jump on board, but at least they're adding it, right? I mean, you know, I think the idea behind iOS in general is not to make any drastic changes, but find a way to make it feel familiar with new features. And I think yeah, no, I, I, overall, I was really happy with these updates. We also saw the, um, the ability yeah. to undo send messages, edit messages afterwards, things that are very available in many other chat apps that a lot of people are using. I think as an iMessage user, sometimes I forget that the whole world isn't using iMessage and for everybody that's using yeah. a- anything else as their primary chat platform, iMessage can feel very bare bones, you know, like missing a lot of features that have That's become true. common everywhere That's else. True. Yeah. So I know North America pr- primarily uses a lot of iMessage. So that's going to be a big deal for us. Uh, maybe not so much the rest of the world, like you said, because I know most people, other people use WhatsApp, <laughs> WhatsApp? stuff. So yeah. not a big deal for them. Yeah, WhatsApp. Sorry, WhatsApp, yeah, WhatsApp. Exactly See, that's how here. often I don't use it, which is never. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. This This is good stuff. I like it. And then you have the edit feature. How long do you 15 get? 15 minutes. Can you yeah, edit anytime minutes. you want? 15? Oh, okay. So it's quite a bit of time to edit. And then undo uh, is what? No, like I think they're seconds? both. I think they're both 15 minutes for deleting it and oh, wow. editing it. Okay. Um, and it, it clearly tells the recipient sure. what has happened. And um, I'm not sure if this is going to change after the beta, but I, I, I do know that right now, if you try to do it on somebody with an older version of iOS, it does not do it. It doesn't undo the, the send or the, the, okay. so you have to have some awareness while you're doing it that like everyone in the world may not be getting that message <laughs> deleted if you're sending to an older phone. Uh, so I don't know, just yeah. Older phone or older version yeah. of iOS. Right. Okay, good. Just um, want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Which may, so I mean, makes sense. I'm not surprised because it, the, the phone needs to delete totally. it from itself. And if that software isn't available on the phone, then of course it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, yeah, there's a lot of exactly. like there's some good memes after there. I saw some funny TikToks about like everybody's going you know de- what's going to happen when we delete our messages. And there's also been this concern about whenever people talk about editing editing tweets, which should have been there ten years ago. There's always a few people that are like really concerned about it. They're like, yeah, but how are we going to know what people really said? It's like these problems are solved over and over and over and over and over again. Like. Discord and Slack and Wikipedia have all solved this problem that you can have a history, you can have time limits, you can always have a clear receipt of what has happened. And I don't think this is going to break how people communicate or confuse average users. Like people will see that something was deleted and they'll say like, oh, what was that you were trying to send? Or they'll, you know, or a correction will just happen, which... I have a lot of typos, so I will correct texts all the time. And I think it's only going to add to the clarity of my communication. Nobody's going to be confused. Exactly. Now you have a chance to redeem yourself for drunken texts. Yeah, but now I still have no excuse for my uh, (laughs) mistakes in Twitter. uh, Yeah, well, well. So what else else mattered from it? I I mean, you know, I didn't want to only just like hit every Um, single point. Like, how do you feel now that it's over and looking forward? Yeah, no, for sure. I think so. I, again, like I feel like it's a lot of little, like like Ventura, a lot of little housekeeping, uh, new features that are, you know, obviously we've seen on other platforms, but finally making its way to the iPhone. Obviously, in some instances, done much better. Uh, finally, getting undo send and edit. But I also like the oh, pay yeah. later stuff. Well, not the pay later, but the pay feature. The pay later I, I is so Canada, weird. Yeah, let's well, let's talk about that for a sec. So it is weird. Here, will you talk about it first? You're excited okay. about it. Oh, well, I was just gonna say like. So you can now use your iPhone to tap to pay to another iPhone, Love right? That. So you can be a, a one-person business. You can be a, a business of five people. You can set it up so that people can just tap their iPhone on yours and they'll get paid. But then there's also this other weird thing. Like that that part I'm excited about. But the weird thing is what you're about to just say, the pay later stuff, you know, having like these, what is it, four payments? Six, over, six or weeks. payments over maybe? three weeks or f- yeah, something like that. Um, I mean... I don't get that because there's no incentive for Apple. And I believe there's a couple of actual firms that do that and it's not going so well for them. Um, I mean, if you have the money, if you don't want to pay now, just buy it later. That'd probably be the best <laughs> If this advice, were right? an advice podcast, it's and weird. not a tech podcast, yeah. then I mean- <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, this, this is, is not, financial not financial advice. advice. <laughs> and um, you know, the thing is, uh, if I was just part of Apple, I'd be like, this is cool that you can do it. It's it's a cool feature, but for society in general, it's like 
it's so yeah. rare that I would advise anybody to do this. I mean, it's it's not that long of a period of yeah. time, like six weeks. If you can't afford it right now, but you could afford it in six weeks, you should wait like almost all the time. The exceptions are so rare. Um, so I guess this actually, this actually is financial advice, but in a very broad sense, it's just like, um, I think people, there's a lot of people that have a bit too flippant of an attitude towards debt, which, you know, even I've had in the past too, I've had credit right. card bills that were in a place that they shouldn't have gotten to. And I'm like, wow, I shouldn't have, this is not what I wanted to pay interest on. This interest is horrible. There's no interest on, uh, Apple's pay later feature, which is really interesting and cool, but I'm mm -hmm. sure if you are late, Something happens, and it's probably going to be expensive for you. Um, of course. So. Yeah. My only other thought is maybe they're rolling this out to, so that later on. So they're rolling this out now to see if it works, and then later on in the future, because you know the whole idea of Apple becoming like a bank in its own, uh, they'll roll out a feature where you can use the same sort of mechanism right. with interest like they want to make sure it works first, and then they'll say like, okay, you know what, you don't want to you want to pay later, you can pay over a year now. Um, you know, for a certain amount of interest, but they want to roll this out first for free so that they can make sure it's running yeah. smoothly. Yeah, I That's mean, there's the certain types of debt that like can make sense and uh, you can be responsible about. There's something about making it mm -hmm. so incredibly easy to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it comes out. You know, obviously, I'm not a financial expert. I just, uh, I, I guess, I shouldn't worry for other people. Hopefully, they know how to manage their own money. But um, you know, being being making it really, really casual to be able to just like take out these micro loans. Like, eh, you know, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But it's it's yeah, interesting for sure. Um, yeah, and I think the last feature that I'm really excited about, and it's, I'll just talk about it quickly because I know we're going pretty long on this, but would be the the photos library share. You know, you can share up to five or six people. I, I think a lot of people, a lot of families will or friends will be super excited. You know, having a shared album, they can upload photos there. It's all centralized, uh, not compressed, which is beautiful. Um, I think I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, for I, so I'm curious people. how I'm going to end up using it in the end because so hopefully everybody's kind of seen the feature. The thing I'm not sure how it'll really work is how much can I limit the amount of stuff that comes over? Because my use case would be with my wife yeah. and I, which like, you know, we're both together most of the time taking tons of photos. And a lot of the time we are passing those photos back and forth, but I know that we both shoot so many photos that it would become confusing for us to mm -hmm. both have the same photos all the time. You know, there's a lot of, I'm so, I'm so glad they added this feature. I just, I'm, I'm curious to see how much oh, control is there over it um, so that you can kind of open it up and close it down to an amount to, to a degree that makes sense for you. Same with like, um, you know, if you've got younger yeah. kids, you would, I mean, it would make sense to sync everything they shoot to your phone as well. So just like everything comes together. And as they get older, as they become teenagers, that's not going to be what they want and it would make less sense. So, uh, you know, I just want to see like how much, how many different, op how much flexibility is there in terms of what things get synced and when and why. That's true. Yeah. I know from a workflow uh, perspective, uh, being able to have, let's say you're at an event and you're with, let's say one or two other people that are shooting with you just to have that like instant sync is going to be massive because I don't know about you, but like I'll use my camera, but also supplement some of the footage with iPhone footage. Cause a lot of people can't tell totally, the difference yeah. these days. So that's going to yeah. be big, um, big for sure. So, so well, I can't I, wait to play with that. if we have a minute or two at the end here, that's, that's mostly Apple stuff, which, uh, you know, there'll be a lot more to talk about soon. Yeah. Something I want to talk about, and I don't know if you want to talk about it. I didn't even run it by you, but is, is the, the, sure. is basically, so this is a Canadian YouTuber specific thing, but Bill C11 is coming up and I just want some like awareness to be out there in the world of like maybe non-Canadians or Canadians that are here that just that this is happening. Cause I, I think it's like, there's basically a bill that seems like it's going to kind of just like slip by and might just get passed without a lot of conversation around it. That'll effectively put a lot of independent creators like us under some level of regulation from the government, specifically from, from their perspective, the pitch that they're then able to push our Canadian content out to more Canadians and almost l limit the amount of outside influence. So maybe American YouTubers would kind of be bumped down in the algorithm. That can be sold to sound nice, like in those terms. Yeah. It's nice if you live in a bubble, but like it's not the way the world works today. The success, being our global. success, you know all I mean? of our success is because we can speak to an international audience. You know, like we, if we Everyone's were success. only... Yeah. Speaking to Canadians, this couldn't be a job for us. We would be, this would be our side project. We'd be finding time on weekends. Canada's population isn't big enough 
to support very many people doing independent media like this. There's not a lot of us here. And if yeah. Canada, my, my concern, and I'm totally speaking my, for myself because I, I, know, I know I'm ambushing you on this, Matt, so. No, no, no. I, is I that agree that the, so far. My concern is I don't want Canada to become like the outsider for like, this is the one place in the world that if you are in a, a small independent creator, just like a one or two person shop the way that we are, that you are um, being restricted in any way by uh, the, the government. There are very few countries in the world. The list is short and they're typically not countries you would really want to live in that are regulated like this. I mean, or... I mean, like challenging creator uh, economies where it's like the, the, the way that it is in China, if you're posting things, there is always a concern about like, how is this going to fit into the overall regulatory system? It's not going to become exactly that in Canada, but there, the, the fact that there would be any of that hesitation of like, everything I do needs to pass through the filter of, uh, of a uh, government bureaucracy. I'm like, that's not great for... Um, people like us you know it's it's, it's going to present a challenge that we don't have right now yeah i think they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to protect like big canadian uh broadcasting yeah. institutions you know and even if even that whole i forget which youtuber it was yeah jj, JJ mccullough name um mccullough that's it when he was there there was like he showed a picture of like all the other people speaking on it and they're all like pro uh, uh, Bill C-11 because they're like all these old broadcasting agencies. So they're trying to protect this old infrastructure, which is no longer what the world uh, looks at for content anymore, unless you're like 60 plus. You know, everybody's on YouTube now. Everyone's putting out global content. And um, to have that shut down is going to really hurt a flourishing industry. Some of the best and biggest creators are from Canada. Like, do you, do you all, do you want us to move to the States? Is that what you I want? I mean, the, it, that's, that's, that's like the real thing that I don't people, think they're right? aware of is like every, every YouTuber that I've talked yeah. to about this is like, it makes me think about moving. And I don't think it's, that's not like a threat that we're all going to move, For but sure. like it makes us like really no, think about it in not. a way that we did not before because it's a real threat. Yeah. I mean, um, it also could, it could even just mean like, well, YouTube takes a look and they're like, Look, one of the smaller countries in the world wants us to rebuild our algorithm just to have a Canada algorithm special for them with with yeah. switches that their government is able to to push and pull on their own and like to meet their standards. I don't want to be the one broadcasting from that environment because why would why would YouTube want to to, to do that? Like I feel like if I was YouTube, I'd be like, okay, we'll just make it all chronological just to simplify things. Um yeah, so. for sure. No, it, it's it's a scary thing to think about. Like I I think about yeah. it a lot, and I'm sure you do too. Um, I'm I'm obviously crossing my fingers that this bill does not get passed. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of people speaking about it. Uh, obviously, the opposing uh, political parties speaking but, about and, and it a lot. This obviously. has been such a like so, cro across the um, left left to right. Like it is not a one party opposition to this. From what I've seen from creators, every every single creator I know does not want to see this happen, regardless of. Yeah your political position on anything else. Oh, absolutely. No independent yeah, creators yeah. I've talked to are, yeah, are interested yeah. in this or think it'll be healthy for Canadian um, video content creators. So what we're trying to say is, uh, are you guys in the chat, if you have a space for us <laughs> Yeah, we'll, live, see, we'll, we'll see come, you in America. We'll stay with you. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, can, you can adopt yeah, us. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, you know <laughs> I, I think, again, it's like most of our audience is outside of Canada. So I guess I'm just like letting a lot of those people know that yeah. it's happening and it's, it's, you know, reposting sure. what uh, Canadians are saying about it and um, is, is helpful to us and just kind of getting the word out that it's really only legacy media that's interested in this because it doesn't look like it's good. And that's the thing is, okay, if they pass this bill, the, they could pass it in a way that only regulated, let's say Netflix, Disney plus Hulu, that's, that's how they are pitching it, but they just are kind of slipping us into the right. bundle there. And it's like, well, wait a minute. We like, we yeah. can't, file all of the papers necessary. Actually, this podcast is a great example. This is maybe, the, I'll, I'll close with this. The best example of how this could be a challenge is on this podcast, many of the guests are American. To qualify as being fully Canadian content, you need a certain percentage of the people working on the project and hosts on the show to all be Canadian. And even they have to be Canadian enough, like, you know, certain types of visas aren't even enough. So the podcast may not be considered a Canadian content, even though I'm doing it right now. We have a Canadian guest, a Canadian is editing it. And that would mean it would get pushed down in search results. It's just like really weird situations that I feel like Canada, the, the Canadian government is not thinking through as they, as they kind of just push this forward quickly. Um, so I don't know. I hope it doesn't happen.
But on a brighter note, uh, this was awesome. It was especially great to see you in person, Matt. And um, hopefully there's yeah, more too. events. I mean, I, I'd love to, to get to know some other <laughs> YouTubers that I've only talked to on the internet in person because it's, uh, it's really fun. So thanks for coming back. If anybody doesn't subscribe to Matt Monez, now's the time. Find him on YouTube. See you next time.